Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemong podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematology and hematological oncology. In today's podcast, we'll be sharing key highlights in CAR T therapy, where you'll hear directly from leading experts. Several topics will be addressed in this podcast, so stay tuned. First, Ulrich Jaeger discusses the role of lymphodepletion in the CAR T cell cycle and highlights unanswered questions which remain regarding the optimal regimen to use. Lymphodepletion is an essential part of the CAR T cell cycle. It does prepare the body and immune system and the microenvironment and the tumor uh, for the infusion of the CAR T cells and prepare these systems uh, to make the uh, CAR T cells expand better. It has initially been designed analogous to allogeneic transplants. So the substances are pretty much the same. It's chemotherapy, particularly fludarabine, cyclophosphamide, and simil similar substances. And we have studied the problem within a work package, work package six, within a EU consortium, which is called Tito Evolve. And what we realized is that in reality, there are very little data on what the best regimens are and the treatment regimens are different. We identified 26 different regimens with no real scientific background on why we use what. So, so that's the basic situation. In the meantime, we've learned a few things. So there, there were some improvements in order to personalize things because what we realized is that lymphodepletion is, has two major effects on the tumor and the patient, which is the efficacy is increased when the lymphodepletion doses are increased, but that at the same time will also increase the toxicity. So uh, the efforts are directed uh, are towards uh, improving the efficacy by, for instance, personalizing the dose and B, to reduce the toxicity. And there, there are some, some attempts by our colleagues from the Sloan Kettering, uh, for instance, who have devised an index where we can calculate based on a population kinet pharmacokinetic index on how much fludarabine we should give. And there, is an, there has been an optimal dose defined. This sounds very good. However, there are some problems because the levels that we measure in these patients on, uh, regarding fludarabine, the blood levels, are not always consistent with, with what uh, we predict. That's been shown by our Spanish colleagues, Pierre Barber and so on. So we've made some minor progress in terms of the dosage, but we've defined the problems now and I think we can move forward. And then the other thing is that we have introduced some new substances, particularly for the lymphomas. And what I forgot to say is that lymphodepletion is different with, for instance, the source of cells, allogeneic versus autologous cells. It will be different when we move into the solid tumor field because there we use substances which have more activity against solid tumors, etc. Next, Professor Jaeger explains why he believes lymphodepletion is an undervalued component of the CAR-T cycle and then goes on to discuss how the choice of lymphodepleting agent may impact the rate and severity of toxicities associated with CAR-T cells. 
Yeah, we believe that because everybody, of course, is focusing on efficacy and toxicity of the cars themselves. But that underestimates the role that lymphodepletion has, particularly, for instance, when you reduce the tumor load, the cars will expand better. And when you, for instance, have a bad control of the, of the endogenous T-cells, they will do their job much better. So, yes, it is used, but also in terms of research, it's been undervalued because we've, we found almost no data. There's a few experiments or, let's say, clinical trials from colleagues in Seattle, for instance, where they have actually studied the same dose, increasing doses with the same products. And there's a few mouse data that Dirk Busch from Munich and his group have accumulated. And there you see that it's really important because the cut cells won't grow if you have no lymphodepletion. Of course, there are three major toxicities. One is the cytokine release syndrome, which occurs usually early. And then the neurotoxicity, ICANS, which also occurs sometimes in conjunction with the CRS or alone. And the third problem is the long-term toxicity in terms of cytopenias, which has been identified by many colleagues as the main reason for non-therapy-related death. Approximately almost 50% of the deaths in patients in re remission occur through or long-term toxicity, occur through these inf infections, for instance. And so some of these problems may be directly related to lymphodepletion. Yeah, so we, we have data on fludarabine cyclophosphamide that if you increase the dose, you increase the efficacy, but you increase the toxicity. That's pretty clear. So, so there we can play with the dose. And it's, it also seems that there is a critical threshold, but we don't know the actual threshold in the individual patient, so, so to speak. So, so, so there's a problem. But if we knew that, we could probably avoid some of the toxicity problems. And then the other novel development is that there is increasing evidence that bendamustine, for instance, will really be, have the same efficacy in terms of outcome of these patients, but it will decrease the severity and number of CRS and the severity and number of ICANs. And also, in addition, it, it is associated with a much faster recovery of neutrophil cells, meaning that the infections are, will be less. And that's been shown. And that also, for instance, the hospital stay of patients will be decreased. So I think we can influence the toxicity by choosing the right lymphodepletion to a certain degree. Hematological toxicity is an ongoing challenge in the field of CAR-T therapy. You will now hear from Kai Rajewski, who discusses factors contributing to the pathogenesis of ICAT, how the CAR hematotox model may be used to predict ICAT, and ongoing research to improve the understanding of this complication. So we've learned more about sort of the factors that are associated with the pathogenesis of ICAT in the last few years. Broadly, I would separate these into sort of the, the, the role of the hematoidic stem cell reserve of a patient. So each patient presents to CAR T-cell therapy with a unique 
uh, sort of history of genotoxic uh, chemotherapy, also aging-related changes, in some patients even clonal hematoiesis changes. And these all contribute to sort of the functional hematoietic stem cell reserve in a patient. The second factor relates to the local bone marrow reserve. And we know that underlying extranodal manifestations of the lymphoma in the bone marrow can predispose for transmigration of CAR T cells to the bone marrow. And this can predispose for local inflammatory processes. The third is sort of the CRS-related changes in the inflammatory mediators, though it still is sort of unclear if this is really induced by the CAR T cells or if the immune dysregulation is already present prior to infusing the CAR T cells. And then the last, which is sort of emerging, is the role of sort of clonal expansion phenomena and sort of what their role is in inducing and re relating to the hematopoietic stem cell repertoire and sort of T and B cell imbalances. So that is sort of broadly our understanding currently the, of sort of the pathogenesis of ICAT. So we've previously in previous work developed the CAR hematotox score, which we looked at a whole range of both pre-CAR T cell factors and post-infusional factors. What was really what was really striking is that both that baseline cytopenias predispose for cytopenias after CAR T cell therapy. That sort of makes sense. And so three components of the CAR hematotox score are A and C, hemoglobin, and platelet count. The other two are more surprising, which is the role of inflammatory mediators. And so serum inflammatory markers such as CRP and ferritin were strongly associated with the duration of, of, of neutropenia. And so CRP and ferritin are the, the fourth and the fifth component of the CAR hematotox score. And so we combined these to a score that was validated both in a European and a US validation court and has now also been subsequently tested in mantle cell lymphoma and multiple myeloma. And this score predicts patients to have either having a high versus a low risk for hematological toxicity. And we can use the score to risk stratify patients and then ideally in future, think about risk adapted strategies for GCSF and for anti-infective prophylaxis. So the lab, we've been trying to understand sort of really what is, what is going on with ICAT. And so that involves really trying to go into preclinical models that try to model sort of hematological toxicity in the context of CAR T-cell therapy, understanding the role of inflammatory mediators in sort of impacting hematoiesis. That is one component. The other thing that I'm working on right now, currently at MSK, together with researchers at the Fred Hutch, is developing a fully automated way to grade ICAT using the R programming language. And so that is sort of very exciting. We're able to grade a lot, a high number of patients in a very short period of time, sort of using computational approaches. And that'll hopefully be the, the starting point to really understand further clinical risk predictors of both early ICAT and late ICAT. Lastly, Gérard de Pouvouville comment on the cost effectiveness of CAR T therapy. Yes, well, uh, if you look at published data on the cost effectiveness of CAR T cells, you do find quite a diversity of results for one good reason. I mean, indications are not the same from one CAR T to another. And of course, you get more benefit when you're treating children than when you're treating adults. So if you look at the results of study, there's one major issue, of course, is that there's a lot of uncertainty on long-term benefits. So if you look at extrapolation of clinical data over the lifetime of the patients, you do get substantial benefits in terms of life saves and also life saves adjusted to the quality of life. Uh, so cost effectiveness ratio would range from, let's say, 40,000 to 
60,000 euros per quality. Now, if you consider that the uncertainty is very high, then you have much higher hyzers, around 200, 150 to 200 euros per quality. Now, of course, even 150 euros, 150,000 euros per quality or 250,000 euros per quality ranges in the usual numbers you get when you look at uh, recent oncology droughts. But the interesting thing, of course, is that in general, all these models do yield higher benefits in terms of saving lives and saving lives adjusted in quality of life. So this is where you find uh, some sort of justification of a high price with a one-shot treatment, but which compensates uh, other treatments that will last, I mean, during the whole life of the patient. So Today, the cost effectiveness, cost efficiency or cost effectiveness, sorry, of CAR T cells is not outside the range of what you see usually in cancer, and they could be even lower. But that, of course, does not necessarily justify high prices. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.